message from Trinity Grace Church in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit trinitygracesa.org. Well, once again, welcome to Trinity Grace. We are so glad that you're here, especially if you're a guest with us. And if you have a copy of God's Word, you'll want to turn it to John chapter 10. The passage is also printed for you in your worship folder. And kids, as always, I'd love for you to be paying attention for the following three things in the sermon this morning. First, pay attention for the problem with listening to strangers. What's the problem with listening to strangers? Second, pay attention for what makes a good pastor or spiritual leader. That might be something you're interested in grilling me in afterwards. Third, pay attention for reasons why you should listen to Jesus. This is the third week in a seven-week series on Sunday morning where we're looking at the I am statements of Jesus. In the middle of the Gospel of John, you see Jesus identify himself with seven different metaphors in an effort to reveal more about his character and his work. Through these statements, Jesus is implicitly claiming divinity by borrowing the very name that God reserves for himself back in Exodus chapter 3. Remember, when Moses asks God what his name is, God responds by saying, I am. I am. And from that point on, that two-word identification has been tied to the God of the Bible. God is known throughout the scriptures as the great I am. So it makes sense that when Jesus begins using this phrase to identify himself on the pages of John's gospel account, that it sets off alarm bells in the minds of his audience. And specifically, it raises major red flags with the religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees. They know exactly what Jesus is doing by using that phrase to identify himself. He's saying that he's God. He is the one that is meant to receive worship and honor and praise. When given the opportunity to identify himself, Jesus says things like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way and the truth and the life. In other words, Jesus is claiming to be God and he's revealing certain aspects of God's nature and God's mission by highlighting these seven different metaphors. The past two weeks, we took a look at how Jesus claimed to be the bread of of life and the light of the world. And today we're moving on to the third I am statement that we find in John's gospel where Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door or I am the gate. And as always, context is key. Just before our passage, Jesus had healed a blind man. And this healing, it upset the religious leaders of the day because it put even more pressure on them to recognize Jesus as a prophet, as a miracle worker, as divine. And while the blind man offers Jesus the praise and worship and gratitude that he deserves, the Pharisees actually come and they double down by calling into question the origin and the character of Jesus, actually calling him a sinner in John chapter 9. And it's against this backdrop that we get the words of Jesus that we're about to read. And as we'll see, these words of Jesus are meant to rebuke the religious leaders of the day, a condemnation of the scribes and the Pharisees. And by giving us this warning, Jesus is giving us a picture of what following religious leaders should actually look like. Jesus is making sure that we know what to be looking for when it comes to pastors and leaders in the church. 
to see what I mean, you follow along as I read from John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Well, this is God's word and he gives it to us because he loves us and he wants us to know him. I wonder if you had to list the most common pieces of advice given from parents to children, what advice comes to mind? Maybe you think of advice like, always wash your hands after you use the bathroom, which is my personal favorite. I think I say that a dozen times a day. Have you washed your hands? Another might be, don't ever swim within 30 minutes of eating a meal, one I've never understood and have violated often. Another is look both ways before you cross the street. That's kind of the gold standard. Everyone can agree with that. These are the kind of things we grew up hearing from our parents, right? Another piece of advice that you likely grew up with is don't ever talk to strangers. Don't listen to people you don't know because they might want to do you harm. Well, that piece of advice isn't unlike the advice that Jesus gives us in our passage this morning. It's a good image to have in mind as we consider this text. In John chapter 10, Jesus is telling us to be careful who we listen to, who we allow to shape and to form our lives, to give special attention to the voices that seek to persuade us of what the abundant life looks like. And we need to hear this warning from Jesus because you know as well as I that there are lots of different voices in our lives that want to get our attention that would love to convince us of what is most important in this world, of what we should be focused on, of what we should be doing with our time and energy and resources. There are lots of different voices out there that want to convince us of what the good life looks like. We're bombarded with these voices. We hear these voices when we turn on the TV or surf the internet in the form of advertisements, benign, but voices nonetheless. Voices that want us to purchase something so that our lives might work better or be more comfortable or exhibit more beauty. We hear these voices in blogs that we read, whether they be parenting blogs or food blogs or theological blogs. Folks are attempting to arouse our desire and our passion towards their objectives. We hear these voices on the 24-hour news networks, whether it be Fox News or CNN, talking heads that want to stoke our fear and move us in a certain direction based on the worldview that they're crafting for us. We hear these voices in books that we read that claim to have a formula that's going to unlock your pent-up potential or give you a new insight that's going to lead to more freedom and joy. We hear these voices on social media 
where everyone can post their opinions about what you should be thinking and about how you should be spending your time and about what you should be worried about. These voices, they're like siren songs. We can't avoid them. And most of them attempt to persuade us that if we just had a little more money or a little more beauty or control or power or skill or prestige or security, then then we'd experience peace and joy and freedom. Then we'd experience what Jesus promises in verse 10, abundant life. In the first five verses of our passage, the word voice or call is used five times. It's as if Jesus knows that we're a group of people who want to be led. A group of people in search of direction. A group of people who long for leadership. I don't care how much money you've made, how far you've risen in the ranks of your particular career. We all long for leadership. We all want someone to tell us that we're moving in the right direction. And as the passage implies, we're like sheep. We don't know what we're doing most of the time. And sheep, they're pretty helpless on their own, aren't they? They need the voice of the shepherd to lead them towards nourishment, to lead them to rest, to lead them to safety. Jesus just assumes that we were created to follow throughout the scriptures. He assumes that we are created to receive leadership, created to be dependent on someone else. And because of this, we're prone to listen to voices in our lives that promise to lead us to good places that attempt to sell us abundant life. That's what we're prone towards. We're all trying to obtain abundant life. It's what Jesus calls the pasture in our passage. It's a place characterized by the Hebrew word shalom or universal flourishing. Think of Psalm 23 when Jesus talks about the pasture, the pasture of green grass by still waters where you can rest and receive nourishment. It's a place where we're safe, a place of freedom and joy, the pasture. It's where Jesus, the good shepherd, longs to lead his sheep. But we hear the voices of so many who promise this pasture, don't we? So many other voices promise this rest, this universal flourishing in our lives. And in this passage, Jesus is inviting you and me to retune our ears and to listen to the only voice that can ultimately lead us to joy and freedom, to safety, to rest, to nourishment. So where do you hear that voice? Well, according to Jesus, some voices ultimately lead to abundant life, while other voices ultimately lead to death and destruction. Some voices take us on the path that we are created for, while other voices lead us down a path that will eventually harm us. And the big idea that Jesus is trying to get across in John chapter 10 is this. If the voices we listen to are not centered on Jesus, then they will not lead to life. That is the big idea this morning. If the voices you're listening to in your life are not centered on Christ, they will not ultimately lead to life. If the voices we listen to don't come through Jesus and point people back to Jesus, then we're listening to the wrong voices. In this passage, Jesus is highlighting authentic and inauthentic voices for us so that we might know the difference. Now, this passage can initially be hard to understand. At least it was for me this week because it seems like Jesus is mixing metaphors a bit. The subject kind of changes from the beginning to the end. But it's helpful to know that in verses 1 through 5, Jesus isn't primarily talking about himself. Instead, he's talking about formal leaders in the church, 
about what Peter in his epistle calls under shepherds of the great shepherd. He's talking about pastors and leaders in the church. True pastors and leaders in the church are those who enter through the door, Jesus says, which in verses seven and nine, Jesus says, is him. I am the door. And as true pastors and leaders in the church enter through the door, they mark themselves out as true shepherds. They're coming in through the way that they were created to enter. They're the ones who the sheep should listen to. But those leaders who refuse to enter through the door and climb in by another way, Jesus calls thieves and robbers. They're not coming through Jesus. These are those who refuse to enter the sheepfold or the kingdom or the church through Christ. Now, what exactly is Jesus saying here with these metaphors? Hopefully, you're following me up to this point. Well, what he's doing in the context of the passage is he's taking a shot at the religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees. Remember in John chapter 9, Jesus had just healed a blind man. He had brought a taste of abundant life to one who had been handicapped from birth. And the religious leaders didn't like it. They weren't having it. They refused to recognize the miracle that Christ performed. They sought to keep people from trusting in the power of Christ to heal and restore, thereby keeping people from entering the door that leads to abundant life. Instead of recognizing Jesus as a gracious healer in their midst, they focused on the fact, get this, that he had violated their interpretation of the Sabbath. He healed someone on Sunday would have been Saturday in their day and age. They were so concerned with their misguided Sabbath observance that they overlooked a healed human being right in front of them. These leaders missed their Messiah, their Savior. They missed the door that the whole of their scriptures was meant to point them toward. And in our passage, Jesus is saying that these religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, are thieves and robbers because they keep people from the renewal and restoration that Christ longs to bring. They keep people from the forgiveness and grace that Christ offers. They refuse to enter through the legitimate door and celebrate what God is doing through Jesus. Jesus is saying that the ones who climb into the sheepfold by another way are preachers and teachers who have enthusiasm and causes that are more important than the person and work of Christ. They refuse to enter the sheepfold through the door. They refuse to make Jesus the focus of their access and ministry to the sheep. According to Jesus, a true shepherd or leader in the church, they've got to come in through the door. In verse 2, Jesus says that he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. These leaders are those who come to the sheep with one great message, one great agenda to help the sheep see Jesus and his gracious relation to a needy world. These true shepherds, they don't have to climb in by other ways because they have the gate opened to them by the gatekeeper. The Holy Spirit gives true leaders, Christ-centered leaders, access to the sheep. And these shepherds, they take a real interest in the sheep, even knowing their names, according to Jesus. Isn't it great when a pastor knows your name? There's just something about that that we enjoy and like, and it feels like it's right. I had a seminary professor who always liked to press upon us the importance and sober calling that ministers have. He would remind his students preparing for ministry, to work hard, 
to study with diligence, to know God more intimately, because as he said, we were about to be set loose on the blood-bought sheep of Jesus. And he was trying to instill in us the high calling of servant leadership in the church, the selfless call, the fact that ministry is about becoming less so that Jesus might become more. And the folks that we're going to be in, in, engaging with and relating with are those who Christ has given his blood in order to redeem. The fact that people in our churches are valuable beyond imagination and the estimation of Jesus is what my seminary professor was trying to press in on us. And that's what he wanted for us, to make our ministry all about helping people know and love Jesus more. And you know, likely by experience, that this focus isn't a given in the Christian church. It shouldn't be assumed. There are lots of ministers and leaders in the church who are out for selfish gain. Lots of leaders who long to use the sheep to secure more comfort and prestige in their own lives who are willing to lead people astray or at least not preach the whole counsel of God so that they might grow a bigger church maybe. Jesus calls these people thieves and robbers in verse 1. Those who gain access to the sheep without coming through Jesus the door. You may have seen these thieves and robbers before. And it's hard to talk about it standing up here as an actual shepherd myself because all humans are sinful. But maybe you've seen some of these folks on TV, they're asking for you to send money in order to receive a blessing. That's a simple one, low-hanging fruit. Maybe you've been exposed to their books where they make riches by hooking people on self-help that doesn't even really require Jesus at the end of the day. Sadly, we've all heard of so-called shepherds who've taken advantage of Christ's sheep sexually. It's like we hear a number of them every year. Folks that we had followed and respected and admired. In this passage, Jesus is saying that if leaders and pastors in the church aren't all about Jesus, if they're not willing to lay down their lives in servant leadership, if they are in it for selfish gain, then they're thieves and robbers. But those who love Christ, those who enter through the door, are those whose voice should be regarded, those who encourage others to enter through the door so that they might experience the pasture the peace and safety and nourishment so that they might experience abundant life are those who Jesus wants his sheep to follow. Jesus likens these kind of leaders in the church to a shepherd who tenderly cares for the sheep, who calls the sheep by name. And the sheep recognize the voice of this shepherd as he leads them. And it's an interesting question. I wonder if you ever stopped and asked yourself this question. Maybe one you have asked before, but how do you hear Christ's voice today? How do you hear Christ's voice today? Well, according to this passage, at least one way that we hear the voice of Jesus and arguably the primary way the church has heard his voice throughout history because most of the human population has been illiterate, right? Is through his under shepherds, through the pastors, preachers, and leaders of Christ's church. Jesus wants us to follow his voice. Jesus wants us to follow his voice as we hear it through his under-shepherds. Jesus is inviting us to begin listening for the voice of himself, the good and true and beautiful way of life that he offers in the voice of our pastors and leaders. There's only one way to get to the pasture of safety and rest and nourishment, and that is through the door, through Christ. So it makes sense that you and I would want to find pastors and teachers 
Even pastors need teachers and leaders who constantly point us to Jesus. If you don't get more of Jesus, if you're not regularly pointed to him after you attend church or a Bible study or read a book or listen to a podcast or read a blog, then it might be time to consider what's wrong. Why am I not hearing more of Jesus? In this passage, Jesus is encouraging us to be careful of what voices we listen to. We've got to tune our ears to recognize the voice of one who loves us and wants to lead us through the door to find pasture. It reminds me of how a baby becomes tuned into the voice of her mother, even while still in the womb. Studies have shown that a baby can make out and hear the voice of its mother even before she's born. They can actually distinguish between the voice of their mother and the voice of others. Even before they can be held and looked upon, they recognize the voice of their mother. And the same is true for us. When Jesus calls through church leaders, through Bible studies, through books and blogs, the sheep are meant to hear and to know his voice. And this means we need to tune our ears to know the voice of Christ. Now, how might we do that, you ask? Well, we can tune our ears to know the voice of Jesus as we get to know his word, the Bible, better. We can tune our ears to know the voice of Jesus as we spend time in prayer and ask that he would make us sensitive to discern his will and desire for our life. We can tune our ears to the voice of Jesus, and this is a big one, by being in community, being in relationship with other sheep who know their shepherd, who have had many years tuning their ears to his voice. They can help us know if we're hearing correctly or if we're listening to voices that might harm us. If you hear something that the church has never heard for the past 2,000 years, that's likely a yellow flag, if not a red flag. We need to be careful what voices we're listening to. And as we mentioned a few minutes ago, there are so many voices clamoring for our attention, seeking to direct our lives, trying to convince us of where life can be found. So do the voices you're currently listening to lead to life? Do they lead to freedom? Do they lead to joy? Do they lead to more fruit of the Spirit in your life? Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. We should long for shepherds of integrity in our lives. We should be concerned with having faithful ministers and teachers who lead us and our children through what it means to follow Christ. Follow those voices in your life. We should commit to those voices even when it's hard. And this isn't a power play by me. I I mean, we've got to commit to voices in our life when we're sane so that when we go insane, they can come and find us and bring us back into the sheepfold. Who bring you through the door, who bring you through Jesus to experience pasture and abundant life. And if you want peace and joy and freedom, if you want abundant life, you're only going to find it as you enter through the door, as you enter through Jesus. He's the only one that can give you what your heart ultimately desires. As we mentioned earlier, there's so many options when it comes to what authorities and leaders and voices we heed in our lives. But the voices we hear on a daily basis that persuade us to enter through the doors of beauty or power or money or reputation or comfort or control, they do not lead to life. They sap life. Those are voices that lead you through doors that will wear you out. You'll never have enough. They demand more and more of your time and energy and strength until it's gone and there's no joy left in your life. That's where those doors lead. 
The voices we're inclined to listen to, they sap us of strength, they steal our joy, they take our life. And against the backdrop of those voices and the doors that they want to convince us to walk through comes the voice of Jesus. The voice we most need to hear. And he reminds us this morning that he's the door. Jesus is the only door that will lead to abundant life. And if anyone enters by him, they will be saved and they will go in and out, as Christ says, and find pasture. Unlike the thieves and robbers we encounter in life, Jesus is the one who won't demand more from you. He won't wear you out with hoops to jump through. Thieves and robbers, they're in it for themselves. They're in it for selfish gain. Jesus is in it for you. He's in it for you alone. So come to him and enter the green pastures and enjoy the still waters that he wants to provide. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus, our great shepherd, came so that you might have life and have it abundantly. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for the way that you have come in order to protect us and to lead us. Thankful for the words that you've given us so that we might know the difference between authentic and inauthentic voices in our lives. So that we might know the difference between those voices that want to lead us further into misery and bondage and death. So that we might be able to discern what your voice sounds like, which wants to lead us to abundant life and peace and joy and freedom. Lord, we pray this morning that as we come to you, even in this sacrament, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would tune our ears to hear your voice. We thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.